0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: The Premier League All-Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at Labrooks.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply.
2: Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Game Day podcast with me, Sam Matterface, the former England international Stuart Pearce, and Scott Minto, the former Chelsea left back, plus Talk Sports and Game Day veteran, the football correspondent Alex Crook, who's with us in the Samsung pod in London's King's Cross, as we look ahead to the World Cup, which gets underway very shortly. We'll have live coverage throughout the tournament on TalkSport and a daily podcast reviewing and previewing. All of the action. This is the Game Day Podcast World Cup special from Talk Sport.
3: Snapshots
2: of football history that will unfold live
3: on Talk Sport. Heroes created,
4: villains made, fame and infamy guaranteed for someone, but. For who? Across the face of goal and in from Neymar! Brazil have the lead and it's that man Neymar! Oh, what a fabulous goal! Lionel Messi to give Argentina the advantage! Tapped in by Ronaldo and Ronaldo puts
3: Portugal ahead! Barata goes all the way through and Spain have the equalising
4: goal! And Havertz finally has a goal for Germany! Cody Gakpo with another stylish goal for the Dutch. restores Belgium's two-goal advantage. We've
2: made progress over the, the four years. You better believe
3: it, England are in a major final for the first time
2: since 1966. so much to get through with uh, these three guys here in King's Cross today at the Samsung Pod the beautiful surroundings, we've got the big uh, Neo QLED TV as well which uh, I'm sure that Scott who's going to be here throughout the tournament will enjoy watching the uh, the games on. I'm not going anywhere, the whole month <laughs> I'm staying here I uh, Don't blame you, I don't blame you uh, Stuart Pearce is here just before uh, you jet out mm-hmm. to Qatar. Crookie, you're going to Qatar as well, so am I um, and uh, I suppose the first question really is, is whenever we go into a World Cup the pressure is on for England to, uh, to win the tournament Are we, maybe because of the lack of form, not feeling as optimistic this time around, do you
3: think? I think that's the general opinion uh, in people I've spoke with. I think this summer's Nations League results has diminished uh, some of the expectation, which I think for the squad and for Gareth uh, is quite a good thing. You know, I think they go in with, prior to this summer, in in pretty good form. And I think a lot of people would have fancied their chances to go and win. I personally think they gonna, they'll win it. I think there's a there's a build up process, semi final and a final in in the previous tournaments, and I think we've got every chance.
2: When you look at
1: the love that piercing, yeah, love it's very the, optimistic. That.
2: But when you look at the defensive options that Gareth Southgate has got and the lack of form, the injuries to Chilwell and Reese James, mm. do you sit there and think, oh yeah, this is a team that's going to win the World Cup, or do you think they'll have to be very lucky to do so? I'm worried
1: from a Chelsea point of view, let alone an England point of view with Chilwell and Reese James. I, I would have played both of those. Yeah, I think what Pierce is saying is right in terms of the expectation lowering but by what happened in the summer I, I do think the, the kind of negativity has risen and I think that's been a problem of England teams gone past whereas the, the previous tournaments under Gower Southgate and how well he kind of blended everything together with terms of the media the fans and being behind the players I don't feel they were 100% behind the players now and, and it feels like parts of the media and fans are waiting for England to fail which then puts even more pressure so that first game is, is really important. Defensively, definitely, is our weak spot. Going forward, I think we're very, very good. It's about sorting out, you know, Peter, so you've been there before, you know what the, the, the first game is like. And actually what happened in 1990 mm-hmm. didn't start particularly well. No. And as you say, developed as the, as the tournament went on. We've got to get out of the group. And I think once you have, and if you've played well in those games, that's when confidence can come. You don't win the tournament in the first couple of games. You win the tournament by developing momentum there. So um, I don't know if we're going to win the World Cup, but I genuinely believe that we're capable of winning the World Cup. Okay. Um, you talked about the negativity and the and the sort of
2: the, the criticism that Gareth Southgate has had over the course of. For the last year and a half and it's been building and building and building as an original Southgate <laughs> saboteur
4: what do you think I knew that was coming um, listen I think he's done a fantastic job I think he's been a great ambassador for this England football team I think he reunited the fans with the football team I think there was a lot of England fans very disillusioned they'd fallen out of love after the golden generation and, and their numerous failings but I think a lot of that good work was undone by the Nations League campaign. I know you will tell me that he wasn't treating that as a serious tournament. It was just a, a series of glorified friendlies. England were dreadful in that tournament. Mm. You know, to get hammered as they did by Hungary, I think he's lost a lot of public confidence. And I think it's important he gets it back quickly. So actually, I think this first game against Iran, not only do England need to win it, I think they need to win it well. I think they need to make a statement that they're back to somewhere near their best, somewhere near the heights that we saw at the European Championship. I think if they start nervously, if they were to concede early, I think that mood of negativity would just build and build. So I think this is a massive opening game of the tournament, as they all are. It's interesting, isn't it, to be so negative when (laughs) England scored more goals than anybody
2: else in European qualifying. Mm. I don't think we concede many goals
3: in the main prior to this summer. Bear in mind, I worked with Declan, Declan Rice, that was contributing to it on the back end of 68 game season. Yeah,
2: Declan had. You know what I mean? So well worth pointing out, I think the fact that, it, that, that exactly a lot of them that, had got to the end of a, yeah. a very hard, tough season. Liverpool players, as well in particular, have played a lot of games. Yeah, yeah I,
1: I listen. I said at the time, I don't think he should have gone big in in, in the, the squad that he picked, and should have given his regulars the summer off. But he hasn't and we are where we are. So I think it's really important to say, look, we have got a group of players that blended together, I think, can do exceptionally well. The problem is if we don't start well, and I disagree with Crookie slightly, you know, look at the Lionesses. They won the first group game just, it it wasn't pretty, but but got the win and they developed as the tournament went on. And I, I think there's no reason why we can't do the same. Get the win, crucial, Yes. I don't think we have to make a statement in the first game.
3: I totally agree. I've been to three tournaments and the first games have been awful in all three tournaments that I've played in. Mm. You know, there's no doubt about that. Most important thing is the result. Win win the first game, get out of the group. That is the most important thing. England, culturally and historically, gaining momentum, I think, as the tournament goes on, as most teams do. I understand that. But I've got another the flip side of it. I always try to look on the positive side we've got two players out in Chilwell and Rhys James just two outside that I don't know who else is injured that I think would be in this squad that's not bad Normally, you work
2: to circa three, four at least. Do you not worry you that Calvin Phillips hasn't played very often for Manchester City? In fact, only a handful of minutes. The fact that Harry Maguire is not a regular at Manchester United and that Carl Walker is coming back from an injury. And those three players are integral if England are going to be successful.
3: Well, we bark on about players not being fresh. The other side of Maguire is he's, he's quite fresh. He's not playing week in, week out. And though as a central defender, it's quite good to get in, in that thing. I'm just pleased that Kelvin Phillips, in the position that he plays, is available in Gareth's eyes to be in the squad. Because mm-hmm. if we lose Declan, and he didn't play against Hungary in the summer, and we saw we were a little bit open and exposed. And you talked about the defensive frailties. You need a good defensive shield, if not one, maybe two, which we employed in the Euros.
2: Yeah. Um, talk to me about... Um... The squad, you're largely happy with it. Do you think that there are players there that
4: should? Is there anyone that should be in the squad that that isn't? Do you think? Well, I think Ivan Tony scoring two goals. At, that's easy at to Manchester say, City. Event, exactly. I was going to say that that wasn't ideal for Gareth Southgate you, you leave out a striker there was a bit of a clamour for him to be in the squad and then he goes and scores two goals against the champions I wonder if he could have made room for Ivan Toney I would have taken Rashford I think he gives you a bit of dynamism he gives you something different I think he's playing with confidence I love Callum Wilson so that was a no-brainer for me as well Conor Gallagher I think was the the curveball the wild card if you like could you have taken Tony ahead of Conor Gallagher potentially could you have sacrificed a defender to make room for Ivan Tony we were talking before we came on air about the the need for a penalty shootout history tells us that if you're going to go deep into a tournament there's going to be at least one penalty shootout you're, not, you're never guaranteed to score a penalty Ivan Toney is as near to a guarantee to score a penalty as you can get I don't think you can um, sacrifice a
2: defender for anything in this team So I don't think the defence is good enough to be able to withstand huge amounts of, uh, of pressure I think that one thing that will give Gareth sleepless nights and has given Gareth sleepless nights over the course of the last a little while is probably that defence he, he, I don't think he particularly trusted it before the European Championships which is why he continued to go from a 3 to a 4 and then when it came to the big games Germany and Italy went to a 3 again I mean, you know, they've lost two of their best defenders since then, So, and the others are, are out of four more injured. So it, I don't think that defence is where they are strongest. Where they are very strong is going forward. How do you see England lining up in terms of formation for that first game against Iran, who we know are going to be narrow, they're going to be compact, they're going mm. to be tight, they're going to be a team that look to try and soak up pressure and try and
1: strike? I think Gareth has come out and said, hasn't he, that he wants to be flexible. You know, I agree with you about not taking the defenders out, but I would have had Tomori in there for pace. Mm. Because I think that's what you want. I mean, Carl Walker in the deep end of the tournament, you've got pace around Harry Maguire, who, look, he's Marmite, isn't he, at the moment? Mm. And actually, there's more people who don't like Marmite than than do (laughs) when it comes to Harry. But, what he did, he didn't play for eight weeks before the Euros and, and played really well and was in team at a tournament. So let's see how that develops there. In terms of the system, well, again, he said he wants to be flexible. So honestly, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if if you've got an Iran side who, look. Let, let's be fair, I think they're going to play very, very defensive. And they you know Carlos Quiroz just that's what he does. Um,
2: and they've had such a disruptive um, period in the build up to it. I mean they sacked their coach, reinstated him, sacked him again, brought in Carlos Quiroz They've had a couple of friendlies in the last couple of weeks, but nothing of any real note. There's been all sorts of disruption.
1: Yeah, I mean England have to watch out for a guy called Teramy. I, I, I follow I work on the Portuguese football as well. Mm. He plays for Porto. He's a very good player. If he's fit, he you know, he can get in behind. He's not lightning quick, but he's strong and he's sharp. So from a defensive point of view, we need to watch out on him. From an attacking point of view though I I do think as nervous as you would be and you wouldn't be human if you weren't nervous you need to try and attack this game you know not be open I would like to see a say a 4-2-3-1 I think I think you still need those two sort of holding midfielders to protect the the two centre backs Um, but you want the full backs pushing on 4-2-3-1 who do you play we know that Harry Kane's up there I like Raheem Sterling. There's been a, again, he's almost a bit like Marmite at the moment where he's not really hit the heights at Chelsea, but he's done it every single time uh, for England. And again, going into the Euros, it, I was actually saying he's not playing for Manchester City, so I wouldn't shoot start him yet. He was one of our best players. Mm. Phil Foden, I think, hasn't hit the heights for England as well, but you've got class players that would then have time to develop into this tournament. So I would have him and and then, you know, maybe another playing as a number 10.
4: You can't leave out Bukayo Saka. If if you're looking at England players in form this season, he is probably right at the top of the list. And again, I think he's got that fearlessness, he's got that dynamism, he's going to run at defenders, he's going to commit defenders. Mm. I think he's got to play on the right-hand side. I,
1: I personally think he and Jack Grealish are finishers and can finish for England. And Eddie Jones calls them finishers, doesn't he? Not, you mean not coming so, off the
4: bench? Coming off the
1: bench, when the game's open a little bit, players are tired, and with that pace that, that he's got in a different way, those two can, can really change the game. In the way that Jack Grealish did, didn't he, in the, in the Euros?
2: How much has that changed the way that you approach the tournament as a manager? The fact that you can now use five mm-hmm. substitutes in a game, I think football's changed drastically
3: and we talk about will England play a four, will they play a three. I think it's almost irrelevant. You should be able, within your squad, no matter what team you are, to chop and change within, depending on the opposition, depending on availability of players. Also, the other side of that is as well, you start in 11, I wouldn't say it's totally redundant, that's a ridiculous statement, but... You almost got to, as you say, finishers. You've got to have your finishers to come off the bench and have impact from the bench. And for me, my last couple of years at West Ham, we talked around. We knew ten players on on the uh, team sheet, and then you, you you talk an eternity about the odd one. Don't bother. Put that to bed straight away because you you know for where well one's going to come off, one's going to come on. So who's going to impact it better? And I, I I think this day and age football is so transient. With the, the amount of substitutes you can use, it's more important to get the substitutes right at the right time
2: in a game. And interesting, I suppose, as well, that uh, England play three games in eight days and trying to get people fit enough and up to speed enough to be able to play all of those games is going to be very difficult for Gareth Southgate. So I think we'll see a lot of changes throughout the course of that early part of the tournament. They play the USA on Friday the 25th of November. Black Friday, so it's just after Thanksgiving. Um, Greg Burhartle tells me that uh, they're not going to the USA squad celebrate the uh, Thanksgiving holiday on the Thursday. They're going to wait till the Saturday, then get all the families together and celebrate what they hope is not only a big day for Americans, but also a win over England. Um, they're an athletic team. They've mm. got some players that we know well. Pulisic, Aronson, uh, R- Roberts in midfield mm. Tyler Adams, Adams. Um, the, the, the idea of, uh, of USA competing with England is that possible? Tim Ream's playing still at the heart of the defence I mean that's probably their weakest area isn't it? The, 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 We've heard that somewhere before haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. it could be a high scoring game mate. Well <laughs> it could be
1: I think what you, you know you'll get uh, with the Americans first and foremost they'll be fit yeah. they'll be ready um, and they'll be sharp and if anybody's not quite sharp or fit then they'll be found out from a physical point of view. And Wales need to be careful about that when Mm -hmm. they play at the USA. But again, let's face it, if we get everything right, and, uh, you know, Pearcey's obviously been not just a a top-class player playing in the World Cup, but a manager as well. You know, I think it's really important to concentrate. Yes, of course, you've got to work on the opposition and see where their, uh, you know, their strengths and weaknesses are. But if we get things right going into that Wales game, where I think they could easily do a Scotland against us. And, yeah, and, they uh, you know, do, and right? they'll be up for it. And, you know, we might not win that game. We need to make sure the first two games we've got six points out of six, in, in my opinion. Look, Pulisic, we know he's dangerous from a Chelsea point of view. I think the Americans probably thought he would have kicked on even more and he hasn't. You know, he's their poster boy. He's not been quite as, as good as he should be. I, I think it's going to be a tough game. We need to be, again, this is where the finishers come in. Fitness-wise, they're very good, but we should oversee them in terms of the class and quality we've got.
2: How much emotion goes into that Wales game and how much depends on the fact that England are already through by that point or the, or the mm-hmm. previous results? Because it could be a thorny game. I think from England and Wales's point
3: of view, I think both are pleased it's the last game. I really do. Um, and, and from then, listen, that's going to be a really tight game. Whichever, whatever the dynamics of the group is, whatever points either team of a crew going into it, it will be a tight game. It's England-Wales. That's the nature of of this fixture. Um, From an England point of view, you hope our work's done beforehand. Nothing will please me more than an England-Wales topping the group to go both through together. I think we all want
2: that. Um, obviously we'll preview all the games throughout the course of the tournament on the game day podcast available every day from wherever you get your podcast so every day of the tournament we'll be there reviewing what happened the night before and what's going to happen on each of the days of the tournament Wales qualifying for the first World Cup since 1958 under Robert Page who's done a terrific job since stepping into the hot seat He's now the permanent manager of Wales uh, they had a tortuous qualification campaign in the end it was it was they it kept going on and on and on and and in the end they managed to just scrape through against uh, Ukraine. They deserve their place in the tournament and they're here to make sure that they enjoy it. How difficult are they going to make life for their opponents because they're a team that rely heavily on defence
4: yeah they're the underdogs I don't think there's any question about that certainly when it comes to England Um, but I spoke to Robert Earnshaw um, last week someone that I know you know well uh, and he was quite bullish about Wales chances he said when they play England they have the best player on the pitch in Gareth Bale which Mm. sounds a big claim but to be fair to Gareth Bale he's someone who Pops up with goals on the biggest stage, Champions League finals. He says in his own words he's not 100% fit though. Yeah, but he's still got that talent. And as I say, he's got that poncho on for the big occasion. He proved that in the MLS Cup recently without being 100% fit. I know this is a, a step up again. So I think they've got attributes to hurt England. As you say, defensively, they're fairly resolute. I'm fascinated to see how Robert Page approaches this tournament because I've seen a lot of Kiefer Moore this season. He surprised me with the way that he's terrorised some some really good Premier League defenders. I didn't know if he'd have the ability to do that at this level but he's a very different player to Gareth Bale a very different player to Brennan Johnson I think Wales might think his pace could cause England problems Mm. so whether they go with Brennan Johnson as almost a false number nine or whether they do try and use Kiefer Moore to stick it up England I think will be fascinating Uh, as Stuart says I think the ideal scenario is that England have six points in the bag before this match because what you don't want is a a difficult derby at international level and I think they're better than Scotland Scotland came to Wembley and did a frustrating job probably had the better chances could have won the game I think if, if, if the match is played in the same vein, Wales have more quality to hurt England than Scotland did.
2: Wales are a little bit more pragmatic in that they will sit and they will n- allow you to have more of the ball, but they do have that X factor that many other teams don't have. And then their economy rate, shots to goals, is quite high in that they're very good at being ruthless. And they've got someone, obviously, that can that can turn something from nothing into something incredibly important in Gareth though. I think whenever you've got a, a world-class player in your ranks
3: especially at the front end of your team you've always got a puncher's chance in any game but it's
2: not just about
3: him is it? Oh, no chance I mean the rest of the team are well organised they know how to play they're, they're quite dogmatic in regard if they go into the England game they're quite happy to sit back and soak pressure up and when you've got someone with his athletic ability and his goal scoring ability in Bale as Crooksy rightly said You've got every chance of winning a game, but listen, England have got. Let's let's not brush this over. England have been drawing in a, a wonderfully
2: good group. And but this that, is something that you could, said beforehand, isn't it? You said they should they should walk it.
4: Well they should and, I got and, a bit
2: of, and the Wales fans weren't happy about that I got a bit of stick for that but you look at it this is, this is a Why should they
1: walk it? It's unlike you getting a
2: bit of stick what, <laughs> what, 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 what what evidence have you got
4: over the last couple of months that England should walk this group? Because man for man this Wales team is not as good as the side that reached the uh, later stages of the European Championship in Gareth Bale they've got a, an ageing force uh, you mentioned Iran the problems that, that they've had that's before you get into the, the off-field situation which I think is going to cloud them in this tournament as well and USA I've been speaking to some American fans in preparation for this podcast they don't have any faith at all in the coach 89% they, they, of USA fans think they're going to win the World Cup <laughs> the ones I've been speaking to are very dubious about the coach they don't think they've got an identity you mentioned the Pulisic hasn't played too much for Chelsea that might actually help the USA because it means he'll be fresh but if, listen you couldn't have picked a better group I agree with Stuart Pearce is there an easier group at this World Cup than the one that England have been drawn in I'm not sure there is Oh I don't know. Yeah. the Netherlands have got Qatar, Ecuador and yeah. Senegal I think they're probably Senegal and, and Ecuador or are two dangerous opponents. They're better than than some of the teams in England's group.
2: Substitute England out
4: and put
3: Belgium in, mm. into our group, and you'd have said, well, Belgium will comfortably get out of this group. We've got an emotional buy into England that gives you a, a seed of doubt, you know, and a, a contentious question every now and then. But it's a good group and it's a good draw. We know that.
0: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
1: The Premier League All-Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch, with the latest odds, form guides, and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18, plus, be gamble T's and C's apply.
2: Um, We should move on to some of the other uh, contenders for the title because England, although they're one of their favourites, they're certainly not the favourites. The South American teams dominate the betting, that's for sure, Argentina and Brazil. Uh, Argentina, Messi's last World Cup, Brazil have got some terrific players in every department, probably the best goalkeepers at the, the tournament, arguably some of the best forwards as well. France with Mbappe and Benzema, Desperate to uh, leave a legacy and be one of those greats that's won a World Cup because he didn't do that four years ago. Um, Belgium have got the golden generation. Spain are coming strong as well. You can never ignore Germany. So where else are we looking for contenders, Scott?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's probably eight countries that say we're capable. We have a group of players to say we're capable, and if things go right with a bit of luck, uh, we can win it. Uh, but I actually, of those eight, the four that I'd probably take out are. Portugal, I think Ronaldo is an issue. I think they've got very good players. The country aren't behind Fernando Santos now, despite what he did in 2016. It's a very pragmatic team and they believe they should go further forward. Uh, no Rafa Silva, who's been brilliant in the Portuguese league for Benfica. There's a problem going on there. Um, Belgium, we talk about the golden generation, golden oldies generation. I mean, mm. I actually think there's only two that are playing sort of world-class standard. That's Kevin De Bruyne and Thibaut Courtois. They've got an ageing defence. Lukaku's not 100% fit. Um, France, Pogba and Kante being out, I think, is a big thing for, yeah. for the country. So who have I left out? I can't remember who I've left out Germany? Now. Germany. No, yeah, I think that, that Hansi Flick is a very good coach. I think he's he's won things, but the sort of high pressing and high intensity hasn't quite worked. And it's, and it's very difficult to do that over a full tournament in a short space of time if you're going to win it. I actually would put England as as one of the favourites, but not the favourite. I think Spain are very, very good. And I actually think they're probably the best team in the Euros. I think they outplayed Italy in the semi final and were unlucky not to to get through to the final. And then you've got Brazil and Argentina. You know, Messi is at his last World Cup, but he's 35. He should be, but you just don't know. But for some. For the first time in a very long time, he's got a group of players around him where he doesn't have to drop right off to pick up the ball and then go past eight players to score. Mm. He can play in the final third and I think that's very important, especially at his age. But Brazil, for me, are the favourites. I think they were superb in qualifying I think it was played 17, won 13 or 14, didn't lose, scored 40 goals, conceded five. Talk about the goalkeepers. They don't score as well, don't concede in terms of the defence they've got. Neymar's playing the best he's ever played for, for PSG. got Jesus, who, despite him not scoring, I think he's playing superbly well. They're my favourites, but I think it's one of four.
2: Vinicius Junior is playing very Benicius well for Junior, Real, Real Madrid this uh, this season. Uh, we mentioned Argentina. Argentina very much sort of a team now rather than just a one man show. They've got talents all over the pitch. You know, and you've got the likes of Lautaro Martinez who's doing incredibly well with Inter Milan. Has done was brilliant in qualifying as well. Scored seven goals during that period. Who's your winner? Do you think? I think England. I, I always look back, and I made it my, my business to look back
3: on when I was involved with England, at uh, teams that have won things at the, the younger age groups, that four and six years later have stepped up to the big stage and won things. Like France, like Germany, you know, like Spain. All of those players come up together, winning things at the younger age groups. England have got that history now. They've won the under-17s, 19s, 20s of recent years. Their senior team have gone to a semi and a final of recently. They've ticked a lot of the boxes that you need to go and lift the major trophy. And Scott is looking at me thinking he's got his rose-tinted England no, no, again. No, 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 because I'm with uh, you I'm hoping he's pissy, right. When I'm,
1: when I'm around these two, and that man over there in particular, I feel like I'm, I'm being unrealistic in terms yeah. of what we're capable of. <laughs> I do think we're capable of winning it. Yes, but I wouldn't put my mortgage on it. You two are optimists. I'm a realist and he's a a pessimist.
2: (laughs) What I would say as well,
3: because of where the tournament is, you know, if it's in South America, you always edge on them. If it's in Europe, I'd edge on a European. We're on neutral country now. So I think anyone's got a chance of winning it, but I also think, as well, at least one or two big teams, the blue chip teams, might crash and burn very early on. Well, let's
4: talk a little bit about those in just a second before you give us your winner, first of all. Who do you think is going to win it, just very quickly? I, I've, I've got a short list of two and they are the two South Americans Argentina on this long unbeaten run I think Brazil are in great shape I think it could come down to they're likely to meet in a semi-final well, well it comes down to like who that. handles the burden of expectation because uh, I spoke to Fabinho at Liverpool a few weeks ago and he said it's 20 years since Brazil won a World Cup which seems incredible really we know that Neymar probably has a point to prove could it be redemption for him after what happened in the home World Cup it's even longer since Argentina yes, won say, the yeah. World Cup obviously they got to the final against Germany Germany not long ago so I think whichever one of those two nations handles the pressure handles the expectation better will win it I think England have got some very talented players I don't trust the back line I don't particularly trust the manager so I can't make a case for England winning the World Cup Um,
2: I'm going to go first Spain Luis Enrique the manager of Spain has formulated a brilliant group with a team ethic they're more about team than they are individuals they're very much about pressing winning the ball straight away as soon as they they lose it the one thing that worries me is goalkeeper and defence there they probably will concede some goals but they've got a lot of energy in them some terrific midfield players like Pedri who is absolutely outstanding they've got good forward players especially in wide areas Danny Olmo will probably play um, Nico Williams is one who might start he's had a good season uh, for uh, Athletic Club but also the thing about them is is that they're all about the collective rather than the, the individual uh, you mentioned there'll be a blue chip team
4: that might flop blue chip teams that might flop who could that be Portugal for me you know Scott's already outlined some of his reasons and he is the, the, the expert when it comes to Portuguese football I think they're going to have the same problems that Eric Ten Hag is facing at Manchester United Ronaldo has become a distraction there's a lot of people in Portugal who don't believe that he should be in their first 11 so that's a big call for the coach to make they are a very defence minded team now they've got a lot of ageing players they're in a difficult group if you're asking me which of those Fancy teams could crash out of the group stage, I would make a very good case for them. The good news is if uh, Fernando
2: Santos doesn't select um, Ronaldo or show him the right respect, he'll do another big interview with Piers Morgan to tell us all about it. Um, Stuart, who is going to flop at the World Cup for you? Which one of those blue-chip countries? Pretty obvious, really, isn't it? Germany. They've got Spain in their
3: group. So straight away, if you get beat to Spain you're under pressure going into the other two games. I, I think Germany. Germany got beat by Hungary in the summer. We're all doom and gloom because we got... Not 4-0 though. <laughs> not 4-0, granted. But they also lost to Hungary at home. Hmm. So, you know, you, if you're going to doubt one nation for getting beat by Hungary, you've got to doubt another one as well. So for me, Germany might be the ones. they
1: got Costa Rica and Japan also in their group. Who are you yeah, worried about? Yeah, I'm looking at the groups and, and, and when the question came in, flops... I, I can't see any of the big boys not qualifying. Mm. You know, Piercy's right about Germany to play Spain. You almost won game, because I do fancy Spain what to win these, What about these World Cup winners that often don't get out of the group straight after well, in the next tournament? So I've got two down here. One of them is Germany um, because of the reasons I sort of mentioned and, and and also what Piercy said. France could still go on and win the tournament and actually, or they could just get absolute flop and, and not even qualify. But I'm still looking at the teams in the group and I'm thinking... I don't see that happening. Australia, Denmark and Tunisia. Denmark are very good. Denmark are very good. Denmark are are one of my dark horses to to go deep into the competition, not necessarily win it. But how can they not qualify? I still see see them. One thing I didn't mention about France as well in terms of, you know, Varane might not be 100% fit, but hopefully he will make it and be okay. But Benzema's had trouble. I mean, the season he had last season was nothing short of sensational. Well, you say he's had trouble. he's got trouble with injuries. Action, really, hasn't he, he? he's had trouble with injuries. If you're not 100 fit, it's very difficult at the, the big stage to perform. Not just in terms of the physical intensity of the games coming thick and fast, but the you can say you can handle the mental side, mm. but can his body handle it? So, I'm not saying that France won't qualify. What I am saying, I'm actually saying, all the big boys I think will qualify, but I think France and or Germany could easily get knocked out in the round of 16.
4: It's an interesting one when it comes to France because a lot of people are predicting that England will get to the quarterfinals and then get knocked out by France. Mm. If France don't win their group, all of a sudden that draw opens up again as it has done for England and Gareth Southgate the last two tournaments. (laughs) France played Denmark in the first game. I'm not sure they're definitely going to win that. I think Denmark could win the group. Um, Right, OK. Biggest surprises of the tournament... Who, uh, who's going to make a stand up and take notice? Well, I don't know if you can call them the surprise package now because they did so well at the European Championships and we've just uh, already pointed out, you know, what a good side they are. But I, I do think Denmark, you know, defensively they're irresolute and in tournament football, having that secure back line can go a long way. Casper Smichel's uh, not been playing as often as he would like. He certainly hasn't been as happy as he would like at Nice. Yeah, but I think he'll be fine. You know, again, like Gareth Bale, someone who is a real leader on the biggest stage. I don't worry about that. I worry about the, the center forward forwards probably I think if if there's a weak part of the Danish team it is the centre forwards but I think Christian Eriksen I mean what a story that is obviously I commentated the game in Copenhagen when he collapsed on the pitch I'm commentating their first game for talk sport of this tournament which emotionally I'm really looking forward to and again I think if They will be everybody's second team because of that Christian Eriksen story. And by the way, how well is he playing for Manchester United? He is a match winner, so I think Denmark uh, could go deep. I know you like the chances of Ecuador. They've got some very exciting young players, not least Moises Caicedo, who's been a revelation for Brighton, so keep an eye on them as well. But yeah, for me, it'd be Denmark. Yeah, one of the youngest teams at the tournament,
2: Ecuador, and they do have a relatively negotiable group I think their first game is against Qatar there'll be a lot of emotion involved in that it's the first game of the entire tournament I think if they can get three points there it puts pressure on the other two because Senegal African champions Mane's not 100% fit but I still think he'll be involved Netherlands you're not sure what you're going to get Louis, Louis van Gaal has put together a team which he says is going to be very similar to the one that sort of scrapped its way through to the semi-finals in 2014 I don't think they'll be particularly pretty to watch and I'm not entirely sure that it will work out for them so I think that's a difficult group for Senegal and for Netherlands and Ecuador may well cause a surprise. I certainly think they'll produce some some good attacking football during the course of the tournament that is for sure. Shock me who's going to be the dark horses? You've already written off England, so <laughs> uh, um, they could
3: well be a dark horse that go all the way. <laughs> you can't answer England for everything. Uh, no. Uh, I'm going Senegal. He is Senegal. I'm going to go Senegal. Okay, well, African champions. Yes, so. indeed. Mane in their ranks as well. Mendigal, Piper. Uh, exactly. Morning, yeah. I think they've got enough talent in there to, to cause teams problems. So I think, and whoever they come up against, I think that they'll be organised enough. Just to call some of the big
1: boys a bit of a problem. are also in that squad. Who are you going for? I, Crookie's uh, already mentioned Denmark. Um, we talk about this sort of um, evolution of mm. England. Well, look at Denmark. You know, got to the semi-finals without Eriksen. And then the best player chucked in on top. And I think they're, they're very, very good. Even though they're getting older and older, you already touched on them. Croatia know how to play in a tournament. The experience they've got at, of managing games and managing... Uh, how to get through a group stage. And then even if they're a little bit down, they don't panic. They, they, they're they able to still get through to the next round. But actually, uh, there's also Uruguay. You I'm talk about Ecuador. Uruguay, I, I like... Uh, defensively, they're very strong. Um, they've got some really good players at the back, along with the experience of Godin, who must be 85 by now. He's always older as the manager. Yeah, uh, incredible. But again, the experience of that, I think they've got a very strong midfield and up front you know I'm a big fan of Darwin Nunez I know he's taken a little bit of time but I think he's shown in glimpses that he's going to be uh, a real real top class player along with the likes of Luis Suarez you know again he's a good person who's going to have uh, Cavani, around Cavani to as well so there's a lot of experience with some, some good young legs around there mm. so Ben Tancourt's been playing fantastically for Tottenham Hotspur absolutely you know and, and he's ready He's ready. So I I think they've got some very good players in all the departments. and I wouldn't be surprised to see them going quite deep into the competition.
2: Uh, They've got uh, South Korea, they've got Ghana and Portugal in Group H, which will be uh, interesting. Um, Okay, Um, we've had our say on pretty much everything apart from who's going to be the top scorer. Bearing in mind that Pearce has answered England for everything, I'm guessing you're going to go for Harry Kane, are you? Of course, <laughs> I think it'd be Harry Maguire. Just. If England are going to win it, all serious aside, if they're going
3: to win it, yeah. Harry Kane's probably got to be the top goal scorer. You know, we've been there before with the likes of Lineker and many years ago and Shearer. Harry Kane's going to have to deliver five plus
1: goals. Who's the top scorer? Um, longer odds, and, and although he doesn't score for for Arsenal, Gabriel Jesus, mm. I think he, you know he's capable of, of of having a flurry of goals. I think you've got to look at one how easy a group could be, but also two how. Regular they're going to play and also how deep they're going to play uh, into the competition. So I think Brazil can go all the way. Um, Who else have I gone for? Darwin Nunez, I've already mentioned him. Very good player. There's Messi. Um, There is Messi. There is Messi. Some guy called Messi. How many people are you
4: nominating for this gold? I'll I'll come to it. I'll come to to my number one.
1: (laughs) Neymar, again, he's going to go far. That's four. It's none of the above, obviously. (laughs) But so I'm just give him
2: a list of the favourites.
1: Yeah. I'm going with Piercy, I'm going with Harry Kane. Mm. I think he's on pens, um, he'll score goals. If we are to go deep, and I do believe we can go deep, then we're going to rely on him a lot. I think he's a wonderful player, he's a big match temperament player and he it, it, it put him in those situations, he scores, and Harry if it, Kane. If it goes to form with the group they're in,
3: mm. he might come out of the group stages Already With three, four yes. goals yeah. under his belt yes, as he
2: did are... in
1: the World Cup in 2018 yeah. when they played Panama yeah. and even if we win the first two games he'll want to play in that Wales game he just wants to play Yeah. so yeah um, Harry Kane
2: right okay so remember this when you're listening to the podcast throughout the course of the tournament and we are going to be available every day Optimist, optimist, realist, pessimist. <laughs> we have to
1: sit in that order in your <laughs> as
2: well. Yeah. Um, I'm going to suggest Lautaro Martinez. Argentina are the favourites for the tournament. They've got Lionel Messi to provide for him. He scored seven uh, uh, seven goals in qualifying. He was their top scorer. 21 goals in 40 caps, seven assists during that time. I think they go to the final. His former Inter suggests that he will convert chances if you give him them. Uh, Karim Benzema is an interesting shout. You, you talked about his injuries, but seven games in the league of this season, five goals and one assist. He is a major goal scorer. But I'm going to plump for Martinez. Who are you going for?
4: Crikey, you've come to me last. Scott Scott's named half of the strikers in world football. You've taken Martinez, who was going to be my selection because I think it will be won the Golden Boot in the group stage. And I think it's a very winnable group for Argentina. Two Harry Kane,
1: two Martinez. Okay, I'll go
4: with Martinez, but I'll just give an honourable mention to Kylian Mbappe as well because as much as I think Denmark are a difficult opponent for France, I think they'll win the other two games in that group quite comfortably. And he is someone who is more than capable of scoring a hat trick in one of those two games. And if you get a hat trick in the group stage, you've got a great chance of winning the Golden Boot.
2: Okay, thank you very much. For tuning in, thank you very much for listening to the podcast, the Game Day Podcast from Talksport, available every single day of the tournament. Uh, You'll be able to uh, watch a couple of these episodes as well on the Talksport YouTube channel uh, from the London Kings Cross Samsung Experience Store, the hub where we are recording this particular episode of the podcast. Samsung going to be our partners throughout the course of the tournament. And remember, just listen out for some of the key things that you can get involved in, including the opportunity to watch the semi-finals with five of your mates and go for a free bit of Scran as well. If I win it, I'm not taking any of these, especially not him, because there's only a certain amount of money you can spend on the on the food, and there's certainly not enough to go around for you. Uh, right, okay, we're going on, we're going off to Qatar. You're going off to Qatar
1: as well, uh, Stuart. You're sticking I, around. I'm getting my sleeping blanket and just just uh, hanging
2: around the, the, the pod. I okay.
4: was going to say, Scott's in familiar territory. Major tournament comes around and he's mowing the lawn. Exactly. First major tournament
1: is so tough, isn't it? Crookie's never
4: so
2: been to a major <laughs> tournament before. <laughs> exactly. Very cocky, very quickly. Right. Piercy, thank you very much. Scott Minter, thank you very much. Alex Crook, thank you very much. Um, thank you as well for downloading the Game Day podcast from TalkSport.
1: The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.